Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Cats and kittens are. This is Sports Coach with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromolo. It is hard to believe, but we are just over one month away from the 2022 NFL draft. And in that spirit, we proceed with our annual Dash to the Draft series with the penultimate position group in our draft prospect overview wide receivers and tight ends. And if your team needs guys for your quarterback to throw to, this is a very, very, very good draft to get them. And joining us to break down this exciting deep crop of pass catchers is our good friend Jacob Infante of the USA Today Draft Wire and Windy City Gridiron. It's great to have you back with us, Jacob. How are you doing? Hey, David. I'm doing great. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on again. Uh, I, wrapping up this whole NFL draft process, wrapping up uh, all the guys that I've watched working towards my draft guide. So it's a very busy time of year, but I'm excited. There's a lot of good stuff coming, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Indeed, Jacob. Very exciting times indeed. And without further ado, let's talk about this wide receiver class. And at this time, many, including you, consider Ohio State's Garrett Wilson as the best wide receiver in this class. Why should Garrett Wilson be the first wide receiver off the board on April 28th? Yeah, so it's a very interesting group of wide receivers this year. I think that there's uh, there's not really a consensus wide receiver one. I think a lot of different people, it's you know different strokes for different folks. But for me, it's Garrett Wilson. Uh, I think that what he brings to the table is a combination of uh, route running expertise from an athletic perspective, from a mental perspective. Uh, he's sharp coming in and out of his breaks. He's you know a very good athlete. He's agile after the catch. And even if he isn't the biggest or most physical guy, he gets open pretty consistently and I think that that's you know so huge in today's NFL it's just the ability to move around in space and to get open so I I have Garrett Wilson at wide receiver one for that reason there are so many different guys that I could consider there I mean Chris Olave brings a lot of the same stuff to the table that Garrett Wilson does uh just a little bit of tweaks here and there uh I think that maybe Chris Olave's a bit more physical and Garrett Wilson's a little bit more explosive, but that's not like a massive difference between the two. And then you have your Drake London's, your Traylon Burks's, your Jamison Williams, all those different guys could, you can make a legit uh, argument for them being the wide receiver one in this class. But I, I have Olave just because I think that none of those top guys have the combination of explosiveness and route running expertise uh, and the clean bill of health too, because, you know, factor in Jamison Williams, who's also a really good route runner, really good athlete, but he's coming off a torn ACL. So that knocks him down a bit. When you consider the healthy guys, uh, Garrett Wilson stands out the most to me. Absolutely. And you bring up a great point, like with wide receiver and most of the other positions in this class, this is an ice cream draft, as I like to say, meaning it all depends on which flavor a certain team prefers. And Outside of the center and safety with a Tyler Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton, respectively, there is very little consensus around the NFL in particular as to who the best guy at most positions is. And that includes wide receiver. And as you said, you could make a great case for many of these prospects to be the first wide receiver off the board. And another one is uh, USC's Drake London, who you mentioned. And uh, Mel Kuyper has him as the top receiver on his board at the moment. And just to uh, play devil's advocate, so to speak, uh, how good is the argument for Drake London to be the first wide receiver off the board? 
I certainly think there's a possibility because you look at a physical perspective uh, out of all the top guys that I mentioned, Drake London's the biggest has the largest uh, catch radius. So I think that if you're looking for uh, height, looking for physicality at the catch point, looking for ball skills, Drake London's your guy. And he's also a very good athlete. I think he's, you know, certainly raw as a route runner. I think he's got a lot of you know areas to improve there and he could stand to add a little bit of weight. Cause I think he's skinny, at least in my opinion. So maybe add like, you know, five, 10 more pounds of muscle to his frame, especially in his lower half. Uh, you're looking at someone that could potentially dominate at the next level. So uh, I think for that upside factor alone, someone who's has as good of hands as he does, someone who's as big as he is, someone who can contort himself, square up to the 50-50 ball and attack it in the air. Uh, I think that you're betting a lot on upside with London, even with the the injury that ended his season. I think that he's got a high ceiling. So uh, I, I'm not going to, you know, go ahead and crown him wide receiver one or say he's a top five player in this draft because I don't believe he is, but I do think that he's a talented player and I wouldn't honestly uh, like fault anyone for saying that, okay, Drake London's wide receiver one. There's definitely a case to be made there. Yeah, there definitely is. Like I said, it's all about certain flavor. And if uh, your team prefers the Cortland Suttons of the world, Drake London is very similar to Cortland Sutton in many ways. He's an elite uh, 50-50 catch machine, so to speak. They're turning 50-50 balls into uh, 90-10 balls, so to speak. And uh, for a big wide receiver, he's surprisingly fluid, uh, just like Cortland Sutton. And uh, he's a common comparison that has come up for Drake London. What do you think about that? I think that's fair. I do think that Mike Evans has a bit of a more muscular frame. So I think that he has that going for him. But other than that, a lot of similarities. I think that uh, the size speed combinations enticing the contested catchability is really good. Uh, I think Evans might be a little bit more refined as a route runner at this stage uh, as to be expected for, you know, a multi-time pro bowl compared to, you know, someone who's entering the NFL for the first time. But I think there are a lot of similarities there and you're looking at a similar ceiling with Drake London. If he develops well enough as a route runner, if he proves that his skinny frame isn't a durability issue, then 100% I could see Drake London having a somewhat similar career to that of Mike Evans. Well, that's another common comparison that has come up for uh, Drake London as well. And you mentioned, um, Garrett Wilson's Ohio state teammate, Chris Olave. And, uh, you, you said there's an argument for Chris Olave, to be a wide receiver one you say he brings a lot of the same skills that Garrett Wilson brings but does Chris Olave bring something to an NFL offense on day one that his fellow Buckeye teammate does not I'm not 100% sure of that because I think Garrett Wilson's more versatile in that inside outside versatility uh so I, I think that when you consider that that gives him a little bit of an edge and Garrett Wilson's a little bit better of an athlete I think, like I said, Olave is a bit more physical at the catch point. I think he offers a bit more in that regard. But I, I don't think there's a huge difference between those two as prospects. I think it's just, you know, pretty minute differences watching them, you know, similar size, similar frames, all that stuff. Uh, so I, I can't definitively say that there's one thing that Olave brings that Wilson doesn't that's massive enough to put him over the hump. And that's why I have him as wide receiver too. But it's close. They're literally neck and neck, like back to back on my board right now. So, uh, you know, that's not a knock on Olave by any means. I still think he's a really good player. Uh, yes. And uh, I am no scout, but 
when I was watching those Buckeyes games, all I remember of Chris Olave is catching those deep balls from whether it be Justin Fields or CJ Stroud. Uh, what does a Chris Olave bring to the table aside from being an elite uh, guy to go to on those nine routes? Yeah, you're looking at someone who, like Garrett Wilson, is very uh, technically sound as a route runner. He's, I'd like to say he's more smooth than he is sharp, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that the ease with which he moves is impressive. The hit fluidity, the ability to change direction, making it look easy. Uh, I think there's a lot there. I think he's the type of guy he can uh, break free and release against any type of coverage, which is encouraging. Uh, he's good after the catch. I think that he is above average lateral mobility and as much as he's probably not going to be your go-to guy in the red zone, but I feel like in some contested situations, he can hold his own. So uh, it's a pretty well-rounded skill set with Olave. I think you're looking at a guy who should be a first round lock. Uh, whether he is, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I still think he goes round one, but either way, you're looking at a very talented receiver for sure. Absolutely. And another talented wide receiver in this draft class is Traylon Burks of Arkansas. Not long ago, uh, some on draft Twitter were hyping him up as uh, the top wide out in this draft. And for good reason, dare I say, because you saw Debo Samuel last season. You saw Cordell Patterson last season. Traylon Burks has a very, very similar skill set to those guys that teams could be willing to utilize in very similar ways, so to speak. However, he really, really underwhelmed at the combine. Uh, he was supposed to run like a 4-3, uh, 4-3-9 or 4-4-4 in the 40. He ran a 4-5-5. But what's more alarming is uh, his vertical jump was only 33 inches. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that the NFL prefers wide receivers that jump at least 35 inches or higher, so to speak. Uh, and therefore, a Lance Zierlein of NFL.com believes uh, Traylon Brooks could be in for a bit of a fall uh, on draft day. How far can you see Traylon Brooks falling? Yeah, so again, it, I can't really say definitively because, I mean, because one, I don't have the uh, NFL intel that someone like a Lance Zierlein has, but I think it also depends on, okay, how much is this going to worry teams to varying extents? Because not every team feels the exact same way. Uh, and even though he had a vertical that was, you know, below 40th percentile all time and, you know, generally poor agility drills, that's not the type of guy that you see on tape. The type of guy you see on tape is someone who's just big, explosive, physical, and quick. And I think that you have to be able to factor in, okay, maybe he didn't test super well, but the game speeds, uh, I'm sure if you test from a GPS perspective, if you, you know, just looking off the eye test, He's explosive. He's dominant after the catch. You get him the uh, get him the ball in space, and he's going to be able to either run you over or run around you. And then he's physical enough to make those grabs in those 50-50 situations. Not a polished route runner. That's the reason I don't have him as wide receiver one. I think that uh, he has a pretty limited route tree, and he's maybe a little bit more of a gimmick player year one than he is a true wide receiver one. But the upside's definitely there. And I think if you can build his skill set working with NFL uh, receiving coaches and all that, I think that there's a very high ceiling, maybe a little bit of a lower floor than someone like a Chris Olave or a Garrett Wilson, but there's definitely a lot of potential there. And like you said, with, you know, Debo Samuel performing as well as he has with Cordero Patterson, uh, I, I think there's a lot of potential for him to replicate that kind of role. So as far as where he gets drafted, I'd say probably late first. 
I don't expect him to fall out of day one. That's just me watching him on tape. He seems, you know, very clearly like a first round type of guy you take that chance on due to upside. So I'll say early to mid twenties. I think that's where he ends up. I, I don't know exactly which team, but I'd say early to mid twenties is probably where he ends up. Yeah. That's a very fair prediction there, Jacob. And uh, you also mentioned uh, Alabama's Jamison Williams and, uh, for most of this uh, pre-draft process, uh, people were pegging him as a lock top 15 pick, but unfortunately that uh, came crashing down uh, when he suffered that torn ACL in the uh, national championship game. However, Buzz suggests that uh, it was just an isolated ACL tear, meaning no other lig- ligaments were damaged. And for a speed wide receiver like uh, James Williams, that is huge because speed wide receivers that tear multiple ligaments do not have a good long-term prognosis for uh, a complete recovery, uh, so to speak. So do you think Jameson Williams is still worth a top 20 pick if the long-term prognosis on his knee is as good as the uh, Intel indicates? I think it's certainly possible. Uh, And I think it depends on what team, you know, really wants to grab him because you're looking at a guy who's, you know, like I mentioned, explosive, uh, a versatile and sharp route runner, lengthier than one of the, you know, like a Wilson or an Olave. So if if you have like a, a team who's looking to win now, who also has a little bit of flexibility saying, okay, we can take a shot on this guy. He can step in right away, be receiver like two or three for us. And then down the stretch, we're taking a chance on upside to have another dangerous weapon. Uh, like someone say, I'm, I'm trying to think like in a lot of people are hyping the chiefs after they traded Tyree kill. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think the chiefs and the Packers come to mind. Uh, but in terms of other landing spots that could, cause with those sort of teams, you're looking for someone who can compete for wide receiver one. Uh, maybe the Saints at 18, I think, is the highest of 17 to the Chargers. I think that you have a trio of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Jamison Williams. That's dangerous. And they've made a lot of moves on the defensive side of the ball. Give Herbert another weapon to work with and see what happens. And you'll also be looking at, I don't think Arizona would consider it that early. Maybe Buffalo. I know they have Stefan Diggs and they like Gabriel Davis, but if they have that third guy that they can go to that Jamison Williams type, I think that uh, they could definitely take a shot on upside there and give Josh Allen another long-term weapon. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of market for Jamison Williams starting from 17 where the chargers are to that down to maybe like the late first round. I don't think he falls out of the second, even with the injury. Oh, I agree. Uh, the ceiling for Jamison Williams in terms of where he's taken is easily 17 to the Chargers. I would definitely agree with that. And two other wide receivers who have seen their stocks absolutely soar, and uh, they're already uh, being talked about in the first round conversation, uh, are Sky Moore of Western Michigan and North Dakota State's Christian Watson. Which one of those two are you personally more bullish on at the NFL level and why? Uh, you know, that's tough because I like both of them a lot for different reasons. I'd say... If I if I think that Sky Moore is probably a bit safer of a pick, but I think that Watson's got the higher ceiling. Um, you know, obviously that comes down to Watson's size. Moore's a bit smaller, but Watson's got you know that six four height as well as really good athletic ability. Uh, I think he's a bit he's a little bit more raw as a route runner than Sky Moore is. I think that his lateral that Moore's lateral mobility, that his understanding of leverage against man and zone coverage is fantastic. Size, obviously, Watson has the major advantage, so I think that Watson goes higher. I could see him going as high as the late 20s, 
uh, he'd be a guy that I'd look at for my bears at 39, if he's available, but uh, if that doesn't happen, I could definitely see him going early round, uh, late round one, early round two. So, and then with Sky Moore, I think he does go round two. I don't think he makes it into round one simply because he's not big enough, but I do think the, the ceiling is very high. It's sky high, I guess you could say, because that's, you know, a little bad pun there. But <laughs> yeah, I think that he's the type of guy uh, kind of similar to Rondale Moore. I know that's a little bit of a cheap comparison because they have the same last name. Also, you know, black and gold uh, uniforms and all that. But I do see a lot of similarities from, you know, the way that they're built, compact, you know, frames, you know, muscular, lower body, athletic, good route runners, maybe not great catch radius maybe not super physical at the catch point but still a lot to like with either guy so I think both of them are gone within the top 50 at least that's what I believe uh and then with Watson I think you're looking at more of a possibility of round one thank you for that uh educated guess on where uh Sky Moore and uh Christian Watson end up but uh, I have to agree uh, Daniel Jeremiah actually just tweeted out uh, he's about to uh send an updated a top 50 list of prospects and he said eight wide receivers are on the list and I think we covered all of them so far including uh Sky Moore and Christian Watson I would be shocked if both of them lasted beyond uh, the top 50 picks so to speak and now let's talk a little bit about this uh, tight end class which like this wide receiver class may not have a consensus uh favorite but uh it is so 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 deep uh, you could uh, grab starters late into round five if not round six dare i say uh at tight end and uh, dane ruler of the athletic um reported a couple weeks ago that league-wide there seems to be a 50 50 split over whether colorado state's trey mcbride the uh, 2021 mackey award winner and uh, ucla's greg dulcich is the top tight end in this class which one of those two is more deserving of that distinction in your opinion I'd have to go with Trey McBride and that's not a knock on Dolchich by any means. I think he's a very good player. Who's uh, fluid. He's a good athlete, uh, you know, solid overall hands. I like his build. I just think that at this stage, uh, Trey McBride is a little more polished and a little more well-rounded. I think that you're looking at softer hands with McBride, maybe the softest in this class, just the ability to, you know, make the catch look easy, make it, you know, make the crab away from his frame. Uh, I think he's, you know, solid. They're both decent enough blockers. I think McBride's a bit more physical and has better overall production at the collegiate level, uh, which is something that I, I take into account to an extent. So, you know, with all that in mind, I think that McBride's a little bit better, but that's not to knock Dolchich by any means. I think that he's a better route runner. So if that's something that you want to keep in mind, uh, then by all means, but I do think McBride's a little more physical, has a little bit more of an edge to his game. So there's a there's a narrow uh, there's a narrow change uh, you know between those two guys. But I'd say McBride, he's my tight end one right now. Uh, but Dolchich is certainly up there. He's in my top five. Uh, a lot of different guys that I like in this class for sure. Jacob Infante, ladies and gentlemen, USA Today's The Draft Wire and Windy City Gridiron. You can follow him on Twitter at Jacob Infante24. And now it's time to play one of our favorite games on this program. It's called Buy or Sell. And in this game, we will discuss a prospect that we haven't discussed at either wide receiver or tight end. And uh, you tell us whether you buy or sell their long-term NFL potential. We start with South Alabama's Jalen Tolbert. Yeah, so with Tolbert, you're looking at an interesting case here. You know, being a small school guy, he's been on the radar for a while. 
solid route runner, good athlete, lanky guy, good hands, but I don't know where he necessarily stands out enough to warrant like a super early pick. Anything earlier than late round three, I think is a bit stretching it. I'd say buy in the right situation. If you're expecting him to be a wide receiver one, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's elite enough in a particular aspect of his game to really take that step. But I think he's a good athlete, got good size, you know, good physicality. Uh, maybe not super explosive after the catch. I think he's more of a possession type of guy or someone who can stretch the field deep, but I'd say buy, but be cautious. Cause I don't think that you're looking at much more than a, you know, mid-level wide receiver two, top end wide receiver three. But, you know, as, as we've seen with this wide receiver market, like guys like a Marquez Valdez Scantling, they make serious money, you know, being a low end two, high end three type of guy. So I certainly think that there's a career for Tolbert. Uh, I just wouldn't take him super high. That's what I'd say. Moving on to another receiver that plays much bigger than his size, Jahan Dotson of Penn State. Buy or sell? Uh, so this one's tough because I really like Jahan Dotson's tape, but I was a little bit worried by his three-cone drill. Uh, and I, I get that. Like I mentioned with Traylon Burks, uh, the three-cone drill isn't everything the agility, the testing isn't everything, but at the same time, you're looking at a guy who's, you know, smaller, he's just a hair shy of five uh, eleven, and he's less than 180 pounds. And he ran a, you know, seven, two, eight, three cone drill, which is 20th percentile for receivers. That's a bit concerning, especially considering you're looking at a guy who's supposed to be thriving in space and he does at the collegiate level, but uh, for his, you know, straight line athleticism for what he brings as a route runner for his, you know, rare ball skills for his size. Is that enough to warrant, you know, the late first round, early second round projections he's been getting? I'm not sure. So for that, I'm going to sell. And, you know, pains me to say that because I really like uh, watching Dotson's tape, but that did kind of rub me the wrong way for someone who's, you know, a bit smaller to not necessarily test all that well from, you know, a side to side perspective. Uh, I just think that there are some concerns with him. I'd consider him maybe, you know, late round two, early round three, but I, I expect him to go higher than that. So for that, I'm going to say sell just at the given uh, price right now. Another wide receiver prospect that has helped himself tremendously these past uh, several weeks, George Pickens of Georgia, buy or sell? I'm going to go with buy with George Pickens because Sure, you're looking at someone maybe a little bit raw as a route runner still. Not bad in that regard. I think that there's certainly flashes on tape of him being able to showcase some techniques, a uh, nice speed release off the line of scrimmage, for example. He's another one of those big guys with very good deep speed. He's explosive, and I think we saw at the combine that his injuries, ACL injury, won't really hinder him in that regard, or at least it shouldn't. And he's another guy who can make grabs in contested situations. Uh, I think that in a, if he were able to stay healthy, we'd be considering him a first round lock, even in this class. And, you know, the injury, I think, took a little bit of the allure off him a little bit. So he might go early round two. But with, with that alone, I'm going by with him because I think he's going to outdo his draft positioning wherever it may be. Jamison Williams wasn't the only Alabama wide receiver in this draft that uh, tore his ACL during the season. His Alabama teammate, John Mechie, did as well. Do you buy or sell John Mechie? I'm going to buy him as well. 
uh, I'm going to buy on him rather. And I think that in the grand scheme of things, Mechie's being overlooked in this class. And I could make a case that John Mechie's the best pure route runner in this class. Sure, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. But I think he shows Case's very good understanding of how to get open, how to exploit a defensive back's blind spot, attack leverage points like I keep saying. He's, you know, refined in his footwork. And he's a good enough athlete that he can consistently get open, you know, enough to be able to make those grabs. And sure, he's not super physical. Sure, he's never had elite production necessarily at the next level. And he has that injury going for him. But if you're looking at a guy like early round three, I think that's someone you take a shot on because Mechie, I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver, one of the next level, but a high end wide receiver too, I think is certainly in play for him. So for that, I'm going to say bye. I think that if he stayed healthy, uh, we'd be looking mid to late second round, but if he falls to the early third, I say run to the podium to get him. A guy who had a very good week at the senior bowl, Khalil Shakir of Boise state by herself. So this one's tough because I think it depends on your, you know, your personal evaluation on him. I'm going to go, if I were to choose, I'd go somewhere in the middle. Um, he's not a guy that I'm extremely bullish on. He's a good route runner. He's got a, you know, high football IQ. He's got good hands, but he's not super physical. He's not super athletic. And, you know, for those reasons, I can't draft him much higher than say, like the middle of round three. Uh, so if you're looking for someone who can be that complimentary type of guy, then sure, you know, but he, he's not someone I'm taking within the first two rounds. He's someone I'm looking for, you know, mid, late round three, maybe, you know, early round four, I'd look at as some, you know, high end depth, someone who can crack the lineup. So that, that all depends on what you generally think of him, where you want to take him. So I, I know it's a political answer. I'm going somewhere in the middle though. Oh, that's perfectly fine, Jacob. No problems on this program, at least uh, with uh, nuanced answers like that at all. And uh, because there's a lot of gray when it comes to evaluating prospects and uh, you just uh, gave us a crash course on how to explain why. And uh, there is a guy that um, also kind of fits that gray category because he really underwhelmed at the combine, but this guy's tape is really really, really good. And I know you're a big fan of this guy, David Bell of Purdue. Buy or sell David Bell. I'm buying David Bell very aggressively. And this is someone who, you know, I believed should have been in, uh, in consideration to be a draft pick for my Bears at 39. After his combine performance, which admittedly did fall short of my expectations, a lot of people are projecting him to go round three, but in that case, he's someone I'm absolutely taking a shot on. Sure, he didn't test super well, uh, but even if you consider he didn't live up to expectations, uh, he was never expected to test super well anyway. Athleticism isn't the main part of his game. He wins with physicality and he wins with nuance. He wins with intelligence on the field. And he's the type of guy, sure, maybe he's never going to be a lead at the next level because of those athletic limitations, but he's the type of guy I'd be feel comfortable sliding him in day one as a possession type receiver, as a guy on the boundary who can make those, uh, you know, short area grabs and contested coverage. So uh, I'm going to buy on him for sure. Especially if, you know, he goes like round three, like a lot of people are expecting him to. I think that that's definitely a guy that I'd take a shot on for sure. 
And moving on to the tight ends, and Lance Zierlein has this guy as his tight end one in this draft, at least at the moment. Cade Otten of Washington, buy or sell? Cade Otten, you know, we keep mentioning it's, you know, like like you said, the ice cream draft. You know, it's it just depends on what you like. Uh, as a tight end one, I'm just going to take it from that perspective. As a guy who's the first tight end off the board, I'm going to go with sell for Cade Otten. I think that he's – Got, he's got good hands. He might be the best blocking tight end in this class, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. And that physicality is something that I'm definitely impressed with. But I just think that if I'm what I'm looking for in a tight end one is that receiving upside. And I, I think that there are other tight ends who offer more athletic ability, who are more polished route runners. Uh, that's why I didn't have Cole Komet as my tight end one in 2020. That's why I had Bryson Hopkins. Uh, and, you know, sure. Bryson Hopkins hasn't had as much of an opportunity and hasn't been as good at the next level, but you know, that's still a bet that I was willing to take uh, given the fact that I, and I still believe that Hopkins has, you know, potential and a ceiling that he hasn't reached yet because of his surroundings and who he's had to compete for playing time with. But, you know, that whole rant aside, I think that Kate Otten, sure. He can be a good player at the next level. I certainly think that someone to, consider like around round three or something, you know, maybe early round four, but I'm not sold on his athletic upside enough. I don't think he's crisp enough as a route runner, let alone fluid enough to, you know, warrant that tight end one designation for me. Good player. I just can't, I just can't put him as tight end one. So I'm going to sell. Jeremy Rucker of Ohio state by yourself. Uh, for similar reasons to Kate Otten, I'm going to go with sell for Jeremy Ruckert. And he's not someone that I think is a bad football player by any means. I think that there's still a lot to like in his game. Uh, certainly a pretty well-rounded player. But again, does, I don't think he stands out enough in a particular area of his game. Good, but not great athlete. Decent enough route runner, not necessarily great in that regard. I like what he brings as a red zone target, but that's the only real thing that I say, okay, you know, this guy's clearly above average in is his, you know, red zone ability. Is he a high volume guy at the next level? I don't think so. Little underwhelming uh, as a blocker. I was expecting a little bit more out of him considering how physical he is as a receiver, you know, in those tight situations, but uh, I don't know. I just don't think that Ruckert necessarily has a high enough ceiling to warrant, you know, a tight end one designation or, you know, considering much earlier than early day three, uh, borderline really late day two. So I'm going to sell for that reason. Iowa State has two very, very talented uh, skill guys uh, in this draft. One is Brees Hall, who we'll talk about on our running back special. And the other is tight end Charlie Collard. Do you buy or sell Charlie Collard? Uh, you know, I remember like very vividly the whole Charlie Collard like tight end one conversations, the early round conversations with him. And I, I, I'll be honest, I just never really got it. Uh, I think that sure he's gotten a little bit more athletic over the course of his collegiate career, but I still think you're looking at someone who has – He's an average athlete at best, still pretty clunky. I don't think he's the type of guy who can really stretch the field all that much. His, for that, his role's pretty limited. Uh, is he physical? Yes. Is he a solid blocker? Yes. But I'm going to sell on him. I just think that there's not 
again, with these tight ends, you know, as I'm sure you'll all come to find, uh, I do prioritize that receiving upside if I'm looking for someone to be a tight end one for someone to be an early round pick because blocking tight ends, you can generally find more often, you know, those mid to late rounds, but a true uh, receiving tight end, uh, some of all the best tight ends in the league basically right now are receiving first type guys are good athletes who can run routes well. So I'm going to pass on Kolar. I, I respect there's been improvements from last year to this year, but I still think that there's a capped ceiling there. Coastal Carolina's Isaiah Likely, buy or sell? Now, with Isaiah Likely, uh, I'm going to go with buy here. I'm going to go with buy because, you know, I keep preaching this athletic upside thing, and so I'd be a hypocrite to not say, okay, I like Isaiah Likely because of those reasons. He's explosive. He's got good deep speed. One of the more athletic guys on tape that I've seen at tight end in this class a uh, good route runner. I think he's the type of guy who can put him in the slot and feel pretty good with him separating uh, against man coverage from time to time. And again, sure, not the biggest guy, not the best blocker, but he's got very smooth hands from what I've seen. He can make guys miss after the catch pretty well, especially for a tight end. I mean, so with that all said, I think likely is the type of guy I take a chance on. I feel like there's not enough buzz going on with him because, you know, he's not a power five guy uh, and, he, uh, you know, coastal Carolina, there's only a, you know, there's a ceiling in how much media coverage you're going to get basically. But I, I, I'm going to buy on likely. I think there's a lot to like with his game. Definitely a lot to like about Isaiah likely, but in terms of buzz, there's been a lot of buzz about this guy on draft Twitter, at least in recent days, Jelani Woods of Virginia. Do you buy or sell Jelani Woods? He is a pretty freakish athlete. I'm going to buy on him. And I fully understand that he's raw. I think that he's much more athlete than football player at this point. You know, very good speed, very good size, not a great route runner at this stage, but he's got that true power forward skill set. He's the type of guy who can attack the ball well. Uh, and can stretch the, uh, the field pretty well as a vertical threat. So for just his size and speed alone, you're looking at someone who, you know, very rarely enters the draft. You, you, know, you know, don't see that physical combination in the league very, very often. So is he raw? Absolutely. Is he a great blocker? I wouldn't say so. But he's someone I take a shot on because of that physical upside and the development that he has to grow. I certainly think that you know, there's obvious risk there, but given the upside at tight end, I'm going to go with buy for him. And last but not least, one of Carson Strong's favorite targets at Nevada, Cole Turner, buy or sell? Cole Turner was a guy I was a bit higher on coming into the season than I am now. And that's not necessarily a knock on him because I still think he's a good tight end. Uh, but I also believe that he's not getting enough attention still, even though he didn't necessarily live fully up to my expectations. Uh, I think there's a lot to like with him. He's lengthy. He's explosive. He attacks the ball very well as a red zone threat. I think that you can make a legit argument that he's the best red zone guy in this class. And I'm not going to make this comparison to him as a full on all around player, but in the red zone, you're looking at a Jimmy Graham type contributor. So again, that's not to say Cole Turner's as athletic and he's going to be in as high volume of a role because I don't believe that. But I do think that you're looking at similar, uh, you know, pretty similar skill sets in terms of 
the ability to make those grabs in tight windows. So I'm going to go with buy on Cole Turner. I think that he's not getting enough national attention. Uh, again, it's the whole, you know, Nevada thing, not being a small school in a huge market. So uh, I, th- I feel for that reason, he's not getting as much attention as he deserves, but I- I'm going to go with buy on Cole Turner. I think there's a lot to like with him. And now it's time to discuss some of the best possible landing spots for these wide receivers and tight ends. And we already, uh, Mentioned several for Jamison Williams. We talked about the Chargers at 17, the Chiefs with one of their two first rounders, the Packers with one of their two first rounders and the Bills with the 25th overall pick. But let's uh, talk about some of the best like spots for these other wide receivers, starting with your wide receiver one, Garrett Wilson. Okay. So Wilson here, you can go in a lot of different directions here. So just a couple off the top of my head. And some of these might end up overlapping just because, you know, that's just the nature of the position. Uh, You'll be able to find some guys who fit multiple different schemes and all that stuff. So Garrett Wilson, I don't think the Falcons will take a receiver round one, but I think he'd be a solid enough fit there. I think as high as the jets at 10 could be a potential landing spot with the Washington commanders. I think him and McLaurin would be a very good combination at receiver. Uh, I could see him in Houston even. I think that if you're going to give Davis Mills the chance to uh, succeed, then get someone who can, you know, truly make plays, get the ball in his hands and, you know, really be able to make some moves in the open field. And then New Orleans is the last one I'm going to say. I think that at some point they're going to have to invest in another receiver significantly outside of Michael Thomas because with the injury concerns with him, uh, and the contract, you know, they might end up moving on from him at some point. So, and I don't see anyone on that roster right now who can really be a wide receiver one. I think Wilson, I prefer him as a high-end wide receiver too, but I think he could flirt with a thousand yards on a consistent basis. So with all that said, give me the Saints for Garrett Wilson. I think that's probably the best spot for him, even though I don't know if the Saints are going to go receiver first round this year. What about Drake London? Can I go with New England here? And I, I don't know if that's necessarily been a popular uh, landing spot for uh, for Garrett Will, uh, for uh, Drake London, excuse me. But I think that the Patriots will be smart to consider a receiver. I think that they certainly have talented guys there, but I don't. I'm not really sold on any of them as like a true bona fide wide receiver one yet. So if he falls that far, I think the Patriots will be a great fit. I could really see the Jets liking him though, because of his ability to stretch the uh, stretch the field. He's, you know, this big target that Zach Wilson can just lob the deep ball up to and London can make those grabs pretty often. So uh, even though I don't have London as highly ranked as someone I'd consider at 10, I think that the Jets would also be a really good landing spot for him for that reason. Chris Olave and Daniel Jeremiah believes that he is tailor-made for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, FYI. Yeah, so I do think that that would be a really good fit for him. I think if he falls that far, which again, I don't know if he does, uh, I think would certainly be a possibility uh, You know, if he's available there. So I know I went with the Saints for Garrett Wilson, so that's, you know, I'm not going to go with that twice because, you know, again, similarities between the two, I think he would fit very well with the Saints there. So with that said, I am going to go with, I'll just, I'll say the Packers. I'll say the Packers with that first pick that they have at 22, because I don't think he's going to fall down to uh, what I think they're 28 with their other selections. So I don't think, I don't think he's going to fall that far. 
But if Olave is available at 22, I think the Packers would be smart to, you know, pull the trigger on that 100%. Because again, you're looking at a guy who can really complement, you know, a true wide receiver one, which I mean, they don't have anymore with Devontae Adams, but you're still looking at a guy who's a potential quality starter in Olave. So that's just where I believe he could end up. And we'll see what the Packers do in free agency in the draft, if you know what they're going to do at receiver, but uh, I'll, I'll go with the Packers as well for Olave. Traylon Burks. I feel like it's cheating for me to say Miami because they're not going to draft a receiver and they gave up their first round pick. So they can't even, you know, take one there. So, but I do think from a schematic perspective, he would be such a good fit in that Debo role, but that aside now, uh, Again, I don't know if he lands here, but I'll say the Baltimore Ravens. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think he'd be a good fit in that offense with his size and explosiveness. I know they drafted Rashad Bateman. I know that they still have Marquise Brown, but I think that he'd be a really good weapon that the Ravens can use in a lot of different ways. Uh, Just being able to run, you know, just say like maybe an end around fake to Traylon Burks. And then you have an option with Lamar Jackson keeping it or J.K. Dobbins getting handed off the football. Like, that's going to be really tough for opposing defenses to stop. So I don't think he ends up there. But I'm going to say the Ravens for Traylon Burks just because I think that'd be so much fun. Oh, it definitely would be a lot of fun if Traylon Burks ended up with the Baltimore Ravens. Sky Moore. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. I think that, you know, you have Deshaun Watson now. You have Amari Cooper. But you know, Jarvis Landry's going to be gone. So you're not really going to have that standout wide receiver too. So Sky Moore, again, I think Watson would love just dumping the ball off to him. And, uh, you know, from just, if you make that investment in a quarterback that heavy of an investment, uh, you know, all the other stuff with Watson aside, you know, just, but from a pure on the field perspective, you want to be able to surround him with as many weapons as possible. So I'm going to say Cleveland, I think would be a lot of fun in that offense. I think Stefanski would get, you know, good use out of him and have a lot of fun working with him in that offense. What about Christian Watson? Give me the chiefs here. I know they just signed Marquez Valdez Scantling, but I don't know. I'm personally not sold on him being the type of guy who can complete that that full contract and live up to that pay. Uh, Once the chiefs have to start paying more guys, they're going to have to, you know, renew contracts. I think that Watson you're looking at as a guy who can step in and be that bona fide X receiver, the guy who can stretch the field from Mahomes. Uh, you get a guy with that size and that speed with a guy with Mahomes arm talent, and that's a potentially dangerous combination. So I'll go with the Chiefs here, even if they just signed Marquez Valdez Scantling, who has a bit of a similar skill set. Uh, I still think there's a lot to like with Watson there in that type of offense. Moving on to tight ends, Trey McBride. With McBride, again, I don't know if he goes round one or round two. Uh, I could see the Titans as a spot for him, though. I think that they're in a spot where they need, you know, that more reliable tight end in the passing game. Someone who can serve as a bit of an underneath security blanket for Tannehill. And then going forward, whoever they replace Tannehill with as the long-term guy. Uh, I think would be a very good add to that offense with, you know, you got AJ Brown, you got Robert Woods now and Trey McBride, I think would be a very good uh, third complimentary piece to that for sure. So uh, I'll go with the Titans with that. 
Yeah, interesting you bring up the Titans. Uh, they did sign Austin Hooper, albeit to a one-year deal, and a common pro comp for uh, Trey McBride is Austin Hooper. Yeah, no, and I think that Austin Hooper, especially in his prime, like in those years with the Falcons, uh, you're looking at a very good pass-catching tight end, and he's fallen off a little bit. I don't know if he's a long-term fix there in Tennessee. So at the very least, you're looking at potential 12 personnels with both Hooper and McBride. Uh, I think that's going to be very tough for opposing defenses to guard. Most definitely, and last but not least, the best possible destination for Greg Dulcich. One team that kind of stands out to me actually is the Cowboys. And I know they have Dalton Schultz on the franchise tag and they lost Blake Jarwin. Uh, and they've shown that they can get good production out of multiple tight ends and sure have Jeremy Sprinkle, but it is he really much of an upgrade over Greg Dolchich? I don't think so. I think Dolchich is, you know, the superior player or at least could be in the NFL. So Having Schultz, you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of him long-term, if you're going to extend him, what have you. But I think Dolchich at the very least would be a very good 12 personnel type guy. You might end up seeing more of that now that Amari Cooper's gone, now that Cedric Wilson's gone. They don't have as deep of a receiver room. So I'd like to see Dolchich in Dallas. I think that that offense could really uh, maximize his skill set and working with Dak, I think would be really good for him. Jacob Infante, follow him on Twitter at Jacob Infante24 and catch his work at the USA Today Draft Wire and Windy City Gridiron. And Jacob, you said you have a draft guide coming out. When do you anticipate uh, it's going to be released so people can check it out? Yeah, so I'm admittedly waiting a couple weeks here because I think that a part of my draft guide relies on the Bears positional long-term breakdown. And I feel like there are some moves that still have to be made but my prospect rankings are done and finalized. My seven round mock draft is done and finalized. Uh, my scouting reports for my top 30 players in depth are all done and finalized. I'm just waiting for that last bit. So I'd say, so it's March 25th at the day that we're recording this. So I'd say uh, within a week or two is probably when it's going to come up. I'll tweet it out and post it on my Twitter. I'll send the Patreon link and everything, but uh, it's right around the corner here. So I'm just waiting it out a little bit so I can get a bit more accurate uh, understanding of what the bears are going to do. But even if you're not a bears fan, it's got a lot of, you know, general draft stuff there that I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy. I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy looking at your in-depth analysis as well, Jacob. Thank you so much once again for joining us today. And that's it for now here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back very soon to continue our 2022 Dash of the Draft series with a look at the running back class, plus the beginning of our eight-stop Dash to the Draft divisional tour around the NFL. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at DCROM59 and on Instagram at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and approved sportscrunch.com, where another mock draft will soon be posted. For Jacob Infante, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. (laughs) 